Relevant content for our members by our members. This is TMC Connect. And Chris, you in your uh, home office in the you're in Northern Virginia, right? I am. I'm in my uh, my bunker, my fabricated office in my basement. The uh, the the secret bunker location where they kept Dick Cheney is it is yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I can poke him. He's right over there. <laughs> Where are you? You're in Northern Virginia? Yeah, I'm in wonderful Fairfax County. Do you own a horse? I'm sorry? Do no. you own a horse? No, no. Why would you ask? Northern Virginia? Isn't that horse country? Well, um, apart from the 3 million people that live here, there are probably 100,000 that, that have horses, but... You know they uh, they get run over on the uh, in, by traffic often. But interesting, you should ask. I do kind of live in this little enclave. Most of the horsey country is out, you know, west of here, Middleburg, and all those, you know, multi multi millionaires. But I live in Oakton, which has a number of uh, we don't have sewer, so everybody's got like one to three acres, and there's actually some horses where I live, but no horses elsewhere in Northern Virginia. Just a lot of highways and office buildings. How's the property value in Northern Virginia? I, I have some family there, like the fame at like condos starting at 1.1 million. One of the one of the signs you see in Northern Virginia a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Is it big yeah. crazy still? It, it's crazy. You know, it, it was super expensive before the big run up. We probably didn't see near as much of appreciation. We saw a decent amount, but, you know, we're, we're, we're Kind of just expensive. Hey, Chris. Rich is just trying to find out how well to do how, how well he's doing versus his family members. You know, just trying to gauge gauge the real estate balance sheet. Yeah, so it, you always can see right through my my uh, thinly veiled motivations. <laughs> Happy Friday, everyone! Rich Swarbinski with the Mortgage Collaborative here with a special. 12 days of TMC edition of The Rundown with Robin Rich, where we take you into the weekend by running through the week that was in the mortgage industry. And as always, pleased to be joined uh, my esteemed colleague and co-host, Rob Crisman. Rob, great to see you. Where the hell are you and what's the hat? Well, the hat, uh, the hat was given to me by the Eastern Tennessee chapter of the Tennessee Mortgage Bankers Association. Uh, when I went to uh, Johnson City to do some speaking, the uh, I'll, 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 show, I'll show you where I am, Rich. Try to figure out where, where I am. All right. You're Ready? cold. You're, you're normally not in cold locations. Is that snow? Wow. Oh, my Lord. Wow. Are you in the Midwest? You're, are you in Chicago? You're probably in Chicago. Oh, Mount, is that mountains in the background? That's not Chicago. Next, uh, next Friday, I will be in Chicago. For okay. several days. Uh, this is Lake Tahoe. I was yeah. going to guess you're in Lake Tahoe. Tahoe. There you go. <laughs> Lake Tahoe. And it's uh, Fredo Corleone. Cold. Fredo. I saw Fredo Corleone oh. back there. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And uh, but this this is keeping me warm, Rich. I, I knew that you would okay with uh, me adding this to my on assignments expense account. It's called a Wet Woody. And I'm at Garwood's Restaurant on the, uh, the north shore of Lake Tahoe. So 
We've gotten a lot of fear. Listeners, that you're much more entertaining, drunk. So yeah, drink up. We have very loose rules here on the rundown. Yeah, so you can keep them coming, bartender. <laughs> one of many, the one many amazing locations you showed up from on the show this year. Random, we never know quite where Rob's going to show up from. But I, I really got to ex- submit my expense account before year end. Yeah, the one I remember the one the random bar in Alaska that was maybe my my favorite with the bartender <laughs> background. Yeah, that was. Uh, I just I can't get far away from that alcohol theme. But enough about me. Let's talk about MGIC. And our co-host this week, a good longtime friend of the network, uh, MGIC's vice president of the sales, their national credit unions manager. He also manages the long uh, and excellent partnership between TMC and MGIC. So a guy that's heavily woven into our network. Always enjoy getting his perspective on the depository side of the business and just the business in general. Chris Perry. Chris, great to see you. Great to see you all. Thank you, Rich and Rob. Um, Just a little quick something on MGIC. Yeah, we're really excited to be celebrating our 65th year, six decades of helping over 13 million homeowners buy, buy homes. And, you know, I think a lot of people say in MI that it's all about pricing these days. You know, we've we've achieved a uh, number one market share status for the last two years. So obviously we've got great pricing, but, you know, MGIC, we really take the approach that um, it's more what we can do for you to help you do mortgages and those many things that we do to earn your business. So that's really our approach. And we're excited to be uh, partners with TMC and to be able to participate today. You get one of these years like this, and it reminds you, like, the, the industry standards that like MGIC, right? Like there, don't get me wrong, a lot of great new companies, many partners at TMC that are built to last and are outstanding companies. But, um, you know, there's something to be said about a company that you just, you know, is doing things the right way and uh, has been there, will be there. And that, uh, more than any company, honestly, in this industry, MGIC is who I think of when, when I hear that. And it's testament to you guys. And number one market share, I saw that a couple of years ago when that happened. And that's also a testament to you guys, because MGIC, like at least in my history of just buying MI and selling MI, they were never one. They were always like two or three, always around the top. Um, but now, you know, I think we've seen kind of a flight to quality these last it's, couple of years. It, it's slim, though. I mean, you know, what pricing is is extremely competitive. And since I've worked here, we've always kind of hovered around that one or two in most states. Uh, but yeah, it's, you know, it pricing mortgage insurance pricing is lower than it's ever been in the 30 years I've been in the business for the better loans right now. So it's a, it's a good value. You know, all the negative headlines and all the negative crap to talk about this year, that's something you don't hear. Right. And that is true. Am I premiums are the lowest they've ever been? Uh, that'll be a big catalyst to the, you know, what we see on the other side of this when, when things normalize. So uh, helping with affordability. Absolutely. So excited to get your perspective on all that, all that good stuff as we get into it. So, Rob, you know, these inflation numbers continue to dominate the open of this show because it's our entire industry is kind of hinging on it. We're not on the sidelines, but, you know, it's uh, it, 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 it is obviously hinging on the interest rate climate. And we're in this spot right now where for rates to get to a point that will dramatically change the business climate or even change the business climate, 
we need a few good inflation numbers in a row. Like we can't get like two good ones and a bad one. We got one yesterday. It was kind of a bad one. It was PPI. It's not the big one. The Fed would tell you it's their third favorite behind PCE and CPI. We get CPI, the big one, on Tuesday morning. Um, but any thoughts on the PPI number uh, this week, CPI next week, or just this the, the general climate right now? So does this lead into the recession question, Rich? Because I'm, I'm fired up. Airport parking lots are full. You know, we'll eventually go there. Yeah. Half half a wet Woody into uh, my recession rant. So I was talking to, to some friends who uh, uh, went out to dinner last night in Chicago. Fancy restaurant. <clears throat> packed. Girl on the go. Talked to a friend down in Baton Rouge. Was out last night. Packed uh, at a restaurant. I was uh, in a little town called Truckee uh, listening to some live music last night packed the i just don't see the recession scenario and and the market keeps receiving this inflation data quote unquote and and yeah inflation is nothing to be trifled with but we've been dealing with it for a while and it's it's i was uh thinking about filling up your tank with a uh with gasoline and you know if, if gasoline goes way up when you First time you fill up your tank with gas, excuse me, while well, my teeth are chattering here. The uh, you know, you 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 bend the hose so you get every last drop of that gasoline because it's so expensive. Oh my gosh, you know, whatever. And then eventually you get used to it. And I'm not saying we have to get used to a seven or seven and a half percent inflation rate. And sure enough, after the producer price index number came out this morning. All the pundits said, well, they started picking it apart and they're saying, well, this doesn't apply, that doesn't apply, it's not so bad, not so bad. But, and we're, we don't have to necessarily live with a 7% inflation rate, but people are kind of getting used to it to some extent. It'll come back down. The Fed raising overnight Fed funds target rates have to have an impact at some point. The, the general consensus is they're going to do a half a percent, 50 basis points next week. Great. I think the market will be satisfied with that. And at some point it will have an impact. You don't, it's like, it's like, Rich, I I know you can relate to this. So it's like, it's like eating edibles, right? Eating edibles, you have a little edible and nothing happens, have a little more edible, nothing happens, eat a little more edible. We're talking fruit, right? This happened to me the other night. Anyway, you get to the point where it's like, oh my gosh. I really feel this. Oh my gosh, I had too much. I had too many edibles. So the Fed doesn't want that to happen. Well, that their rate increases to me the other night. What's that? that, that, that? Explain your text messages to me the other night. Soft, uh, anyway, forget that stuff, Rich. Don't don't mention it here on the show. Otherwise, we're going to lose MGIC. So what what I'm saying is, yeah, inflation is a concern. It's almost built into the market at this point. The consumer price index number that comes out Tuesday will be much more relevant to the average person. And, you know, I hope it comes down because at some point, like I said, the Federal Reserve's, the FOMC's actions will have an impact. And they are having an impact, I think. Um, It's just, you know, you're trying to turn an aircraft carrier here and you don't want to overreact. You don't want to have too many edibles. You don't want to have too many rate increases. And I think the, the Federal Reserve realizes that and they're shooting for a soft landing. But until then, you know, the, the, the 
financial press has nothing better to talk about than than rant about this, that, and the other thing. And I should add, I will finish up with this, and I can't see my screen so well because my vision is blurry because it's flipping cold here on assignment for TMC. We need to, Chris, we need to continue to look at what's the questions that are coming up and the chat topics, and I think they are coming up, but I can't quite see them because it's all edible. You know, it's, yeah. Anyway. Oh, it's all edible related. That's great. Right. Anyway, Chris, are you seeing, you know, among your clients, uh, yeah, the obviously the inflation is driving interest rates and interest rates have gone up and so forth, but interest rates have come down and now they're kind of waffling around a little bit. I have uh, an off off script conversation topic, Chris. Are you ready? I'm ready. So when you are when you are in private MI company looking at counterparty risk looking at your clients, seeing how well they're doing or how well they're not doing and so forth. How much, how much do you get involved in saying, Hey, Rich and Rob's mortgage. Uh, you know, we, we think, you know, we, we see this kind of trend with you. We're looking at your business that, that you're sending us and so forth. Let's, let's take a look at your business. How, how involved does MGIC get involved in their, in their counterparties business? Well, I, I, I can say, and this is, I'm sure our competitors do this. We do, you know, monthly, quarterly, yearly reviews of business segmentation. So we're tracking, you know, our, our individual larger lenders and even regional, local, uh, strong clients. And we're, we're looking at, you know, the percentage of, you know, high DTIs and of higher LTVs. Um, you know, to be honest, we've not seen a tremendous spike in risk parameters of loans, uh, I think in large part because the agencies, AUS systems, really kind of uh, you know have have somewhat dictated that, uh, and we you know, we are seeing an uptick in, from portfolio lenders in creative products, but not actually as much as we might have normally expected. Um, so we're we're pretty comfortable with you know the the risk profile that. We're seeing, and I would imagine so are you know the other five MI companies. And you and you're uh, and you offer contract underwriting, right? I mean that, that that gives companies the ability to scale up or scale down without hiring an underwriter. We we do, uh, and and you know we have done that for 25 years. At points like this, though, um, you know that volume definitely goes down because. So many people are just they're so their volume is so off that they're just trying to hang on to their their own staff uh, as as opposed to outsourcing. But some people's models it's just built in, uh, and that works very well for them. And so we're still doing you know a good bit of it. Weird a component to the PPI number this morning that's really worth mentioning. Yeah, uh, it was up zero point three percent, but vegetable costs were up thirty nine percent month over month, which led overall food costs to be up 3.3%, which exactly offset a 3.3% decline in energy prices. I'd been hearing this throughout the month that vegetable prices are going up, but that was the big culprit in the PPI <laughs> number this morning. I, Rob, I know you just eat you know, peanut M&Ms and Doritos, but any any thoughts on this vegetable breaking news? So <laughs> you're, you're talking to the right guy here, Rich. So coming coming from an ag family uh, in California, uh, agriculture and, and crop prices are near and dear to my heart, especially living uh, near Salinas. 
which is where uh, a lot of lettuce, uh, radishes, row crops come from. And you have a, uh, a situation where there's a lot going on when you talk about crop prices like that, whether it's uh, inability to get inexpensive labor from Mexico or the United States, you have fuel costs, uh, getting, you know, radishes and lettuces, lettuce and other vegetables to other markets around the United States. You have, there's a season, there's a seasonal factor to that too, because, you know, there's not a lot of vegetable growing going on in, in November and December and, and into the, um, you know, January, February period of time. Um, and the, uh, uh, overall though, I, I, I would expect that'll come down, but it does, it does bring up a point, and, and Chris, we talked about this a week or two ago on the show. When you when you look at what families have to deal with, if the price of butter goes up too high, that you can substitute margin. They'll they'll move to margin. Um, so there are substitutes that families can can do instead of going to uh, you know uh, Gino's East Pizza Parlor, you can get a frozen pizza for you know five or ten bucks at the at the supermarket. Vegetables, not so much. Uh, but you can move from fe- certainly from fresh vegetables to frozen vegetables, which uh, uh, freezing tends to, putting on my food science hat here a little bit. Freezing tends to retain a lot of vitamins and minerals, much more so than canning. And so families will move to frozen vegetables, which are much more economical and the fresh vegetables, uh, you know, too expensive. So there, there are there are changes in consumer behavior that take place when things go up in price. And I, I can see vegetables being one of those. Chris, we went down that we went down the food science economic rabbit hole there, Rich. Thank you very much for that. I think yeah. it all kind of plays into the whole edibles theme. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of like grow your own uh, comments in the chat. People noting vegetables, Rob. Vegetables, yeah. So, <laughs> so uh, just I just lost was- I just lost feeling in my feet. But let's keep going with the show. <laughs> <laughs> Onward and upward. So, uh, Chris, some other stuff that's been in the news, uh, conforming loan limit changes, these FICO-inspired credit cost increase, increases. Curious, though, Chris, how the MI companies look at the conforming loan limit increases? Because, you know, it impacts your your guys' world, obviously, on, on loan amounts and coverage. And, yeah, I would be curious to, to hear that. Well, I, I think, you know, hard to speak for the entire MI industry, but I think in general, uh, we think they're positive. Uh, obviously, uh, you know, the amount of MI that, that that increases the number of conforming loans that are able to be done. And when you're talking about high LTV loans, the percentage of MI uh, of, of, of agency loans is much higher than portfolio loans because of many portfolio lenders deciding to self-insure or whatever they want to call that when they don't purchase MI. So it's a positive. And in general, we all align with the, you know, I, I believe we've all pretty much aligned with the AUS findings. Uh, but it is interesting. We're, we're also sliding up some of our non-agency loan amounts for those portfolio lenders as well. So it's a real, a little bit of a retooling uh, motion here. Rob, any other chatter in your email inbox, either on this issue or maybe more notably the the credit cost increases? Yeah, credit credit card debt is through the roof this year. Um, you know, I think it's the highest it's been in decades, and 
that is an issue that well, people will write to me and say, what, you know, what's going on with credit card debt? And when you talk about the, uh, I'm sorry, I did, I did glance at a chat, a chat comment there uh, from some, uh, someone new to the industry. So I love when you, uh, drink. you know, when you talk about, when you talk about some of the, some of the consumer spending and so forth that's going on there. Yeah. I think that there is a, uh, a concern that the at some point the savings that consumers built up over the last few years of of COVID uh, because they weren't going to Disney World they weren't going to Disneyland they weren't eating at places like Garwoods here in Lake Tahoe uh, they will they will burn through some of that savings and and the household balance sheet will be impacted uh, and and that wages are not quite keeping up with the inflation rate and so the consumer will suffer. Um, yeah, I, I think there's some credence to that, but I think we've got a long ways to go for that. And when you think about credit card debt, yeah, credit card debt is running up, but remember all the millions of people that this industry refinanced into two and three quarters or 3% loans and how much they're saving every month versus whatever, you know, five, six, seven, 8% loan they had. Um, and so the, uh, uh, you know, it's it's a very interesting dynamic, behavioral economic dynamic about people running up credit card debt and not paying it off. Certainly, interest rates have gone up, and I think that uh, we will see that over time. But right now, once again, you know, putting on my anti-recession hat, you know, the job market is very strong. The uh, yeah, we're dealing with inflation, but housing is weak in some you know really high-priced areas. But for the most part, Middle America is not seeing. You know, these sensationalist headlines, we've talked about this before, Chris, so sorry about this, but I'm going to repeat. You see these sensationalist headlines about housing plunging, this plunging, that plunging, housing crisis, you know, yada, yada, yada. We've gone up 20% a year for the last couple of years. At some point, it needs to slow down to have a healthy housing market. And and uh, tomorrow's commentary has has a letter from a real estate agent about, how we we're returning to a normal market and that he, that's that's a good thing. So I would expect that yeah, consumer consumer credit card debt is is up, but you know, I think I think they'll pay it off. I don't know. I don't I just don't see I just don't see a catastrophe ahead of us in terms of recession or a depression or or whatever. I just don't quite see that. And I I think we're getting a lot of chats, comments, but I can't quite read. Chris, what are you seeing? Are you seeing that the the loans that your clients are originating are they quote do they have more hair on them than in the past or are are they pretty just kind of cookie cutter deals that are coming across your desk? You know, from a national underwriting uh, you know position, uh, you know, I've not heard a lot. You know, and I'm on a weekly call with all of their senior sales management. We discuss issues like this. You know. Quality is challenged a little bit, but it's not, um, we're not facing that typical, uh, you know, let's pull out every loan that's been in the back of the, the you know, the, the, the drawer. And I think in part, just because of the violent swing of upward rates. So it was almost like, you know, there's all those loans that were in the drawer, they're just not even remotely. So, you know, it was almost just this full restart of got to begin a brand new pipeline and, you know, I think the interesting part of that is, you know, we, we talk a lot about affordability and that first-time home buyers 
are shocked by interest rates. And the longer we get past this significant increase in rates, the more normalized these rates are. And someone pointed out in the chat that, yeah, they can't find homes to buy. And that is going to be a persistent problem, but that's going to retain, you know, some of the valuation of homes. You still have this huge millennial surge that's pushing through the system. So, yeah, I, I, I don't see a huge pull. I mean, we don't see a huge pullback in pricing, you know, uh, in home values nationwide. And, you know, we, we think the underwriting quality is still really, uh, really strong. Yeah, I think, you know, perfect. That, that's a great point you make because it, it echoes exactly what I said. Uh, it's, <laughs> in terms of gasoline, you know, gasoline prices shoot up and you're trying to get every last drop out of that gas nozzle. And then at some point you get just kind of get used to it. Yeah. Um, housing price is kind of the same thing. Interest rates, kind of the same thing. Humans are very over time adaptable to, uh, I remember um, uh, going down once again, the food science path, I, I grew up working in a cannery and the noise is deafening when the, the first day on the job, the cannery noise, all the cans and everything, just the machinery is deafening. You put in earplugs and so forth. By you know a week or two, you just get used to it. And I think humans are very adaptable at getting used to certain things. And yeah, interest rates, you talk to a lot of veterans in the industry who's like, oh yeah, I started, you know, interest rates were, you know, 18% or 16% or whatever they were. And people were still buying houses. And the current batch of home buyers isn't necessarily used to these rates where they are now, but, you know, people will settle in and, and, uh, you know, 2023, 2023, you know, I think people will, will be okay. Are you seeing Chris, um, among your clients, a, you know, everybody's cutting costs, uh, trying to stay ahead of, of volume and margin and so forth. Do companies ever come to say MGIC and you and say, what are, what are companies, how are they cutting costs? Sure. You can cut personnel and, and vendors and lenders are all cutting salaries and furloughing people, but are there, are there things that you're seeing among your clients that might be a good good two or three things that, that you've seen in terms of cutting costs and helping the bottom line? You know, we don't, I wouldn't say that we get deeply involved in that. I mean, of course, people are taking this time to examine their tech stack and, and we do help along those lines uh, a little bit. Um, you know, we, we certainly, uh, when lenders are having to lay off people, we often get involved in helping, uh, you know, the people that they have to lay off you know, uh, find new, new jobs, um, you know, and, and, but that's about the size of it in terms of cutting costs. Um, I will note completely change the subject here. Um, if that's okay. I, I will note that it's kind of interesting to see the, the arm production and, and buy downs, uh, you know, continue to spike upward. And, and I honestly think that's going to be a trend. I don't know so much the buy downs, but certainly the arm, ARM product is going to be a trend that's going to continue, uh, you know, and and, and that lend, then lends itself to the financial institutions who are able to price ARMs in, with a different methodology than than Wall Street. Yeah. Are you, you know, ARM, ARM, the intermediate ARM market did very, very well early in the year when interest rates first started going up and the yield curve got very steep and intermediate ARM looked, you know, 31517 looked great relative to 30-year fixed. And of course, the banks and the credit unions, uh, you know, cleaned up on that. And then, as short-term rates continue to go up through the year, 
that intermediate arm market kind of fell off a little bit. Is that something MGIC tracks? And, and is it a, um, do you think it's an indicator of, of anything in particular, or is it just kind of is what it is? And then the arm volume goes up and down and always, but probably always is less than 10% of the overall market. I, you know, I, I can't share any exact percentages, but we've seen a steady increase and continues to increase. Uh, so yeah, where maybe some of that really crazy pricing that, you know, a credit union or community bank probably just didn't even notice or to believe, but, you know, had left out there. Um, we still see them, uh, although liquidity is becoming an issue, we still see them, you know, pretty aggressively, uh, you know, wanting to, to produce arms and book arms. It reduces the, uh, you know, the, the duration of their overall portfolio, which is really important for them, considering a lot of them booked 30 year fixed rates. So we see that market is really active. And, uh, you know, the TPO market from community banks and credit unions, a lot of them are um, examining or standing up small TPO operations. So those are some of the undercurrents I'm seeing in, in you know, in the industry right now. This is the rundown yeah. with Robin Rich, uh, Rich Torbinski with the Mortgage Collaborative. Special 12 days of TMC edition. We're wrapping up week two of the 12 days of TMC with this episode. Week three, you'd think we're slowing down. We have a huge week next week. Keynotes are Doug Duncan from Fannie Mae, Chris Herbert from Harvard Joint Center, Steve Richmond, who's all, always very entertaining, and Renee Rodriguez. We've got sessions on affordable loan products, buy-downs, renovation lending, cost-cutting, a lot of the stuff we're talking about here, individual sessions allocated to them. And then, of course, special editions of this show in the last week of Mortgage Today. So don't don't forget about week three of the 12 Days of TMC next week. Um, a lot of stuff coming special in. Special edition of this show? Special, yeah. What, you, you weren't prepped? Next week? I think this is pretty special with Chris, Rich. I mean, what are you, are you already throwing Chris under the oh, bus? This is also a special edition. Yeah, we do special editions every every week of the 12. Every how week. does one get, I don't even, how does one get invited to like the 12 days of, I don't, I don't remember seeing one thing in my email about, hey, join us for like, listen in or go to this session or that session. Really? How does, how do people get, how do people learn about the sessions that are being offered through TMC. I think most of our members would say, oh my God, we know about it. You've emailed us 800 times by like November <laughs> 10, but uh, it's, you know, I, our member engagement team really is the one that's interacting with our members and you know, letting them know about stuff like this and the way they prefer to be communicated with. So that's, I think one thing we try to do is meet people where they are in terms of communication and email and all that. So, um, the, uh, so Chris, I'll tell you about uh, lenders one after the show. But uh, the the, uh, the numbness is creeping up my legs here. I, I won't tell you what stage where where the numbness has reached, but it is flipping <laughs> cold out here. Uh, the the thing that that I grew up uh, uh, not grew up. I should say the Nick mortgage, Cameron. the private mortgage industry has always been a such a valuable partner with with the lending industry, Chris, and. You know, every any time that I needed help with something, the uh, the, the you know MGIC and, and you have competitors. I'll, I'll, I'll I know that's I know that's late breaking news to you, but yeah, there are other competitors, but they were always willing to help. And besides the contract underwriting that you offer, what 
what do you say, what do you think are the most popular or the most underutilized <clears throat> products that MGIC can offer either for free or very economically to your lender partners? Um, you know, Rob, I would say, I'd start with by saying, you know, it's really impossible for me to answer that question because we have so many uh, offerings, services, products, relationships. Um, so, you know, we really start by, all right, who am I talking with? You know, are you an independent mortgage banker, your large bank, are you a regional office, financial institution? And then really examining it's a, you know, it's a needs-based conversation, examining what are their pain points. But we offer phenomenal training from both a sales perspective and uh, the operations perspective, customized in you know training, home buyer education and home buyer training. Uh, a lot of those things that you know, a, a lot of marketing pieces for loan officers that you know loan officers are looking for ideas on how they can get out and and market you know various products. Uh, and we have people that specialize in various areas, like myself, that that specialize in you know working with financial institutions on portfolio products and things of that nature, but it, it, the list is long. And, uh, and we, we just look to engage with people and, and hear about what they're really focused on. So and nice how much, in the how, chat, how much uh, do you interact? Oh, go ahead, Rich. I'm sorry. Uh, just saying some nice comments in the chat about MGIC's training. Uh, which is free. And we've also dropped a link in there. So uh, please utilize that. It is, we, we constantly hear that, that uh, you guys do such a great job with the training that you're putting out there. A lot of lenders use it to supplement things they're doing. And uh, uh, again, the link is in the chat for anybody that wants to check it out, but I'm sorry. Rob. <clears throat> yeah. Lost your thought. You had something good there and it just was, <laughs> yeah, it was uh wet woodied away. So there's some good stuff in the chat. Um, uh, hearing chatter of some lenders having issues with Fannie and possible suspensions due to company financials being reviewed can only get worse for fourth quarter. No, we have been hearing uh, some of that, just that the GSEs are a little bit more scrutiny um, on their annual renewals. They're doing of lenders. So we want to be a resource there for our members. So um, if you're having issues there, or you need some additional clarity on that, reach out to myself or somebody on our member engagement team, and uh, we can look into that. Rob, Chris, anything you've heard along those lines? I didn't I didn't hear that last part, Rich. What was that? Just Fannie Mae, reapprovals, a little bit more. Yeah, I've, I've heard, you know, there, there's been, there's talk, um, uh, I wrote about it in my opening paragraph today, the, the fallout, you know, putting on, taking my food science half off and putting on my uh, capital markets hat. The, the fallout has really increased because lenders are trying to get deals in the door and they will start processing the loan, lock the loan, and then it'll fall out of contract and they incur these expense like credit reporting expenses and other expenses. Uh, and, and the fallout has really increased. And, on the back end, I, I hear these stories about. I hear stories about Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. Their uh, uh, buybacks have increased. Uh, they are, you know, putting products back, and and sometimes lenders are are being asked to buy back loans or take back loans that are, you know, a three percent thirty year fixed or a three and a quarter 30 uh, thirty year fixed, and they're, you know, that's a big hit to a 
to anyone. But if you're a thinly capitalized independent mortgage bank, uh, it's an especially big hit uh, when you're dealing with a scratch indented product, you know, $300,000 loan and you're selling it at 70 cents on the dollar. Chris, are you, what are you hearing? Uh, have you heard any statistics or seen any statistics about agency buybacks and have they really increased and what, you know, what is the reasoning if they have? You know, um, we don't really, I, I've heard of a number of people anecdotally, just as you said, the pain is great, right? The the uh, uh, the fees when you make a mistake and are handed back a loan, uh, you know, you're, as you said, 70 cents on the dollar. And you're, if you talk about large loan amounts, that can be extremely painful. Uh, but, you know, that's not an area we, we really delve into too much unless, you know, occasionally MI can cure things, uh, you know, on, on, a, on a loan where maybe there's a valuation issue or something like that. But I certainly have heard where a number of um, institutions that are applying to become Freddie and Fannie seller servicers, uh, that bar is definitely raised a good bit higher than it had been traditionally. And, you know, and, and warehouse lines are really tightening up. So, you know, as as one would expect, when it's hard to actually make an average profit on most of the loans that people are closing, uh, you know, there's just a lot more scrutiny on, on you know, the stability of, uh, of companies. Another interesting note in the chat from Dottie, one piece of good interest rate news for the lenders who can handle the operational requirements is that HFAs are pivoting from TBA to tax-exempt bonds. The tax-exempt bonds will produce a below-market 30-year fixed rate. Check in with the HFAs. So you may not be able to make money on the bond loans, but uh, the rates seems like they'll be more competitive. So Dottie, thank you for sharing that good news. I for That has been one of my pet peeves for years. I, I don't know why lenders are not allowed to make money on the bond loans. I Honestly, I... You put the product out there and there is now people will do any product because um, they're starving for business, but you're in a more normal climate and, and loans go away from those products or they don't get done because people don't want to deal with it. And I just, I don't understand that. Like let me lenders make money on these products. It, it makes no sense to me, but uh, what else in the chat? Uh, let's see here. Uh, I heard something say something about scratch and dent product. How does a mortgage become a scratch and dent? You no, know, if uh, if I could put in a shameless plug for for adding work onto my shoulders, and that's not even a shameless plug. If if somebody out there needs a scratch and dent buyer, I keep a um, a, kind of a, a informal list of people that they can or companies that they can reach out to. So uh, you know, shoot shoot me an email if you've got my email. Or reply to my commentary, and you know if you, if you need help in that area, it's a uh, you know there, there's there there are uh, and Chris, I know this isn't really MI related, and I know we need to talk about more, more about that, but the the scratching in business is actually a a very loop can be a very lucrative business because you know you could have companies out there buying perfectly good loans uh, with borrowers making their payments at 70 cents on the dollar. And then when that person refinances or sells their home and move to a bigger home or whatever happens, you're getting par. You're getting, you know, you buy something at 70 and, and buy, in effect, get par back. I mean, that's a great business model. And so there are companies out there that that do very well 
buying stressed in loans and then refinancing them or or having a, a lender refinance them and get back, you know, the full value. It's it's a good way to make money, but you know, it takes some patience and it takes some skill. Um, so anyway, my my two cents on the scratching in. But so if anybody needs a buyer out there, you know, shoot me an email. So what makes a scratch and dent loan a loan that has been manufactured wrong, so it's now unsaleable? Um, something in the manufacturing process that makes it unsaleable before you sell it. Uh, that's probably the most common scenario. And then like loans that lenders have to buy back um, due to after the fact reviews and things like that. So you're sitting on a loan that does not meet regular agency guidelines. You got to find somebody to buy it. That's the term scratch and dent. You know, typically buyers are paying between 60, 70 cents on the dollar and 99, a hundred in some cases. And yes, a lot of, very smart people have made a lot of money in that uh, area of our business uh, over the years. So, Chris, any thoughts on uh, the scratch and dent side of our market? Um, yeah, just uh, as I said before, uh, I've um, had a number of circumstances where people have looked for referrals like that, and and uh, I just had one with a, a great client that was a uh, a very large jumbo loan, and uh, you know, closed with uh, outstanding a kind of a tweener appraisal to the investor and uh, it was a it was a painful experience uh for the lender um even being asked to buy a, a higher level of mi coverage on it to purchase it but save them uh you know i think it was like three hundred thousand dollars in in terms of uh you know what the scratch and dent so yeah i think it just goes to you know um, we're all, you know, in, in the mode of trying to close every loan, but it's just super important to stay, you know, focused on execution so that, you know, those loans that we're, you're closing are, aren't, you know, going to end up in that, in that bin. And we got a couple of good partners at TMC that are linked in the chat that, uh, that buy the, the scratch and dent loans as well. So Chris, one last question. I know Rob's got his hand up the, the, uh, the wet woody is uh, wreaking havoc on the uh, the coast of Lake Tahoe. Um, but strips of MI on portfolio loans. I remember in my bank days working for banks that were really, really risk averse. You know, maybe it was like a 95% doctor loan that we did without MI um, or loans that maybe we did it, you know, 85% without MI in the portfolio. Worried about home depreciation. Uh, you know, buying like a strip of MI for a pool of loans in the portfolio. Has that's that's it's only a matter of time before that starts happening, I think again. Is MGSC seen any of that? Yeah, absolutely. And and most of that's with portfolio lenders where they may have originated a group of loans above ADLTV without mortgage insurance. And there's a number of reasons why they may suddenly want to, you know, purchase mortgage insurance. It could be a capital thing, could be a liquidity thing, it could be a saleability thing. Um, but yeah, no, it it is it has been not tremendously active, but you know, uh, a part of the marketplace, and we see it continuing to ramp up, uh, especially as let's just face it, a lot of these institutions that have portfolios with low interest rates and long durations, eventually they're going to have to move some of those loans. And, uh, you know, if, if a large portion of them are above 80 and don't have MI, they're probably going to pick up 
you know, maybe a, a percent or two uh, better in the pricing by, you know, uh, buying mortgage insurance on it. So uh, we'll see that as, as I think, as something that, uh, you know, this market matures that we get more and more requests for. One more note from Dottie real quick on the HFA issue. Note, thanks to David Batney as head of the MBA's Affordable Committee, HFAs are starting to hear lenders loud and clear about the margins on their loans. If you haven't checked in with them for a few years, try again. Great advice, Dottie. And I've heard that about David with MBA and the work he is doing on behalf of affordable lending, working with the HFA. So shout out to David Batney at at MBA for the work is he that he is doing. That's the type of stuff MBA is doing behind the scenes. And you know, you could love MBA, you could hate MBA. We need the MBA because DC hates the mortgage industry. And anybody that is not supporting MBA in this industry is crazy. Uh, Rob, you had your hand up. Did you already forget the last uh, <laughs> I was yeah, Tom uh Tom Gallucci, who I think is still on your staff, barely was making uh, mean comments about me, uh, about my so ability bad. to come up with a scratch and then buyer, which <laughs> I, I can do just fine. So anyway, it's, uh, did I mention it's flipping cold out here? You look cold. Yeah. <laughs> you look cold. So should I, should, should I show you one more time where I am rich? Just to, just to, so the, um, it's, um, it's, it's cold. It looks cold. There's somebody running down there. So are you are you there to uh ski or just imbibe? Uh I'm on assignment. You know, it's Maurice Flavor sends me where they want me to go. It's like one week is Mexico, the next week it's Lake Tahoe, next week it'll be Chicago. After that, it'll be Rich. Are we even doing a show on uh, December 23rd? Uh, uh I think I forget. I'll have Never to... mind. Sorry, I didn't mean to stump stump the chump here. Sorry. We can, I we can... think we are going to do just like a short, fun, you know. Uh, I, I... <laughs> uh, yeah. So for the fifth, right. but uh, anyway. So no, I think uh, I think I think to to uh, before my jaw freezes up here and I can't speak any longer. I will I will say this about MGIC. Uh, to, to Chris's point, the, the products that you offer at very reasonable or free for your clients. It's, it's amazing. It's, it's a, uh, it's something that lenders need to take advantage of. And I don't think enough of them do often enough. So keep, keep up the good work. Thank you. I appreciate that. And Chris, anything else from your perspective, just working with credit unions across America feels like a good climate for the depositories right now, credit unions uh, within that, obviously it's, you know, you've got very diverse types of credit union mortgage lenders in America, some that are, you know, more traditional, smaller credit unions, some that operate like full-blown IMBs. Um, you know, they definitely have some some business advantages. And yeah, we'd just be interested uh, to take us into the weekend. Any just broad perspective you're seeing on that segment of our industry and, and all the work you do with them uh, throughout the year? And I, I think that, uh, you know, they will, as you mentioned, there are some with fantastic origination sales forces, but in large part, they um, they haven't and probably won't build the sales forces that independent mortgage bankers do. Uh, and, you know, there's a lot of reasons for that. So, um, you know, they, they will be able to take advantage of their portfolio capabilities, but not entirely. 
and the whole TPO uh, opportunity with them. Um, you know, if you put the work in, it's hard to to connect with the senior people at a community bank or a credit union. But um, if you put the work in, there's opportunities there. So, uh, you know, that might be something to explore. Love it. And the chat. Was hey, Chris, Chris, did you Chris, did you uh, tune in last week by chance? I did not. OK, so do you have you ever heard the term Molly want? <laughs> no, I have not. <laughs> Is, is that what happens in Lake Tahoe if you have too many uh, woody? Well, that, that, ha- don't fall hours. in the lake. Don't fall in the lake. Yeah, you know, it's it would be good for ratings, but yeah, the, uh, the lake is warmer than where I am now. But uh, Rich, do you want to explain the term mollywomp since I think you were the one who used it? I, I don't even know where it came from. I, I was, you know, describing what Chris Bennett's Michigan Wolverines did to my Ohio State Buckeyes and. I felt like I needed more than a normal adjective and it just, yeah, it came out of, it came out of nowhere. I, I don't know if it's a real word or what it means, but uh, the, a I lot think of people are using it to describe Rob's sobriety condition on the show this week. So, so, so uh, Chris, as a quick aside, sometimes people would, people are staring at me through the windows. Uh, people, uh, everyone, every once in a while, somebody will write to me and say, Rob, at the next conference, I'll buy you a drink. If you work this word, or this phrase into your commentary. And uh, I, I think I need to, to uh, work uh, Molly want in there in, in the opening paragraph on, uh, on Monday. All right. That'll, that'll be my goal. I look forward to it. <laughs> love it. Love it. Chris, any uh, weekend plans in uh, the DC, Northern Virginia area? Getting ready for Christmas. Getting ready gotta, for Christmas. Yeah. Got to get, got to do some of that shopping. I think I got to put up some uh, lawn ornaments, so it'll be a fun weekend. Rob, uh, weekend plans at uh, you in Lake Tahoe all weekend, or uh, hanging out with a friend or two and uh, uh, trying to stay warm and uh, just um, yeah, just not not much of anything. Living the hopefully, hopefully it wasn't the person heckling you in the chat, which the chat was great, by the way, today. And keep up the funny stuff. So I didn't do the chat justice because it was just a stream of just funny one-liners uh, throughout the show. So, again, if you listen to the podcast only, which there are thousands of you that never even come on the live and just listen to the podcast, come on the live broadcast. It's usually several hundred people and a lot of fun. And uh, you get to see where Rob is showing up live from and uh, what he's drinking. So uh yeah thank you very much for joining us this week and uh for your role a vital role in the partnership between uh, mgic uh, and tmc and and you know all the things that we've worked on together over the years really really appreciate you um just as managing this partnership and and obviously the long-standing partnership with mgic and uh thanks for being with us today absolutely thank Thank you. you thank you very much enjoyed it a lot it was a lot of fun Absolutely. And uh, to our listeners and viewers, uh, until next Friday, thanks for wrapping up the week with us. We'll be back next Friday. Special edition. Once again, finalizing the 12 Days of TMC. Next week's edition, the show before it is Katie Klaus and I of People's Mortgage, who is funny and hysterical. We're going to do a mortgage industry year in review, which... We're just we're gonna just make it funny and you know and just the only way you can really wrap up a year like this. Uh, so that will be next week. Uh, before that, but uh, until next Friday, have a great weekend, everyone. Uh, take care. Bye, Rob. Bye, Bye. 
For more information about how you can get involved with TMC Connect and witness the power of the network firsthand, please visit us at mortgagecollaborative.com.